0: Hi and welcome. You're listening to Siren, a podcast about motherhood and sex. Can motherhood be a portal to sexual awakening? Can our sexual aliveness serve our path as mothers? This is what I'm interested in. I'm your host, Blair Lindsay McDonald. I'm a mother, a teacher, a devotee of the erotic feminine, and I'm a somatic guide. Nothing has impacted me more than becoming a mother. It was a complete unraveling of who I knew myself to be. And unexpectedly, it was also a kind of sexual opening or awakening. I'm learning that becoming a mom does not have to be a death sentence to our sexual and erotic selves. It can be a portal of discovery guiding us to something new, a new vitality, a new expression. This podcast is here to explore how deeply linked motherhood and sex truly are, and how they actually serve one another. It's a deep dive into what it means to be both a mother and a sexual, erotic woman, as I navigate my own journey in real time. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is the second
1: episode of Siren. And if you haven't listened to the first episode, I'm going to direct you to go back and listen to that. Because in that episode, I'm really breaking down some helpful concepts. And I think I'm giving context for, for this conversation. And in this episode, what I'm going to be doing is, um, it's just going to be much more personal. I'm going to be sharing more of, of my story. Um, in order to just share like how it came to be that I'm in such deep commitment and devotion and service to these themes of sex and motherhood. Um, Because they say that, you know, your medicine, you you have to take your own medicine first, right? And that's very much (laughs) been... (laughs) I've been dealt a lot of medicine in the last couple of years. And and honestly, I'm really grateful for it because it's just revealed to me my own path. So I guess I just want to start by saying that, um, you know, sometimes people share quote unquote vulnerably, right? And there's such a thing as performative vulnerability and like, you know, vulnerability can attract a lot of attention. Um, and I just want to say that that's really not what this is at all. Um, I'm I'm sharing my story really specifically because I want I want other people to hear it because I think a lot of women will resonate. And I think that a lot of women are going through really similar issues. And I'm I'm sharing it in service to that. I'm sharing it in service to um, this potential spark, right? That might that might be uh, lit by you hearing this or someone else hearing this. And and with that, also, you know, I'll say that sometimes our vulnerability can be. Used against us. And I'm well aware of that fact. I mean, it happens to me. It's happened to me all the time. Um, And I just want to invite my audience into these really intimate conversations. Like we're creating a field together. And you may have judgments and you may have opinions about things that I say. And that's so welcome you know, but we're actually all holding this field of deep service to sex, to motherhood, to, um, aliveness, to eros, we're holding this together. And so I guess this is just an invitation to, you know, help me hold it. Help me hold what I'm going to share because I'd be lying if if I said that I wasn't a little bit nervous and may have tried to record this podcast a few times. So, okay, I'm going to start by just zooming out today. And I want to share that in my work, both personally and professionally, it's about so much more than quick fixes, right? And that's... that's just what's out there in a lot of ways is like, oh, this is wrong. Okay. Like do X, Y, and Z and, and get a different result. Right. It, and if you're searching for that kind of formula, um, this work probably isn't for you because from in, in my experience, for me, it's really like, that's only penetrating at a surface level. If we're just swapping out symptoms, right? And like trying to feel better and replace uh lesser healthy patterns with more healthy patterns. Um if it's if it's a pattern, it's still a crutch, right? Um so what I'm saying here is like I'm much more interested in the energetics. Of what's happening, like what is happening on the deep energetic layer that the surface layer is just a symptom of. And I think so much of our sex and so much of how we relate to sex is it runs so deep. It's a part of this bigger energetic pattern. And so it's like, yeah, we could do things to feel better for a a short period of time. And, you know, I'm saying better, like in quotations, but I'm interested in getting to the root. So when I look at my own process And how I'm going to be speaking about it, I'm going to be speaking about it really from an energetic layer of like, these are the patterns actually that shifted in motherhood. So it wasn't like, oh, like I just swapped this and like did this and took this pill and whatever. It's like these are deep energetic patterns that motherhood gave me the ability to really meet. And I won't even say heal from, but just like really see. And shift. So, to bring it back to like that personal level, I'll share a bit of my story. Um, You know, I from from a young age just had this idea of who I wanted to be in the world, and I wanted to be someone respectable. I wanted to be someone who was, you know, smart and educated and accomplished and successful. And this drove so much of my like late teens, early twenties, let's say. Um, but woven in with like a lot of dysfunction. And then in my early twenties, it just became so apparent, like this siren call. Like I just heard the call so clearly, like, Your life is going to be in service to a sexual opening and sexual awakening in various different ways. And the call was like, I call it a call, but it it was just like this feeling that emerged. The more that I gave myself time to really figure out who I was, it was like, oh, this is a big part of why I'm here like why I'm in this body is to serve this, this frequency on the planet of pleasure and aliveness and eros and sex. And, and, um, and I, I resisted the call also. So it was like this um, kind of war between what like my ego wanted and then what my soul actually <laughs> the plan my soul has for me right so in my in my 20s um the soul kind of won out and i went on this big journey dropped out of school gave up my dreams of of law school and and um went to the east i went east i went to india i went to thailand and Basically just like started this whole journey of study and practice of like sexuality, sexual healing. And I had a lot of experiences that were beautiful and I had a lot of experiences that weren't right. Like as we do on our path, but I don't begrudge any of it, honestly, because um, I'm really deeply grateful to my path. But I was really fortunate in that from this like early 20s age, I was able to be in communities and be in spaces that were quite sex positive, that were quite liberal, that were like let's say hippie kind of idealistic spaces. And I got to really uh peel back some layers of my own conditioning and meet, in my body, like the felt sense of the the sheer power of my sex. And I was so dedicated to it. I was so dedicated to this power. It was like, oh my God, everybody needs to know this. (laughs) How can I, how can I proselytize and just like become a sex evangelist, you know? And that being said, it was never like I was never too explicit about it. Um, because I had my own fears and and uh, you know, working through my own conditioning and um So again, this kind of like tug of war of like who the world wanted me to be, but then what I really know, like I'm destined to share and um, activate in others. And so, I had really considered myself, like all throughout my 20s, really sexually open and progressive and like a very healthy sexuality. Um, I wasn't ever like I was always kind of vanilla in my own sexual expression, to be honest. Like I never got into like crazy, um, crazy kink practices or, you know, and nothing too crazy. I always felt connected to the deep innocence of Eros and the or I should say the potential innocence of Eros the the innocence of life and life force when we open to it I mean it's like we project so much onto sexuality and like what it means to be sexually and erotically alive and I always had this sense of like oh it's it's actually much more simple like it's very innocent it's very beautiful it's very playful so that was kind of where i was approaching it from and then i uh, my path took another big turn and i ended up in turkey and i spent a couple of years there and that's when i met my husband and meeting my husband was just a beautiful experience like i met him and i knew from from the get go like oh this is my person you know um for better or worse <laughs> it certainly isn't a fairy tale story but the beginning is quite sweet and so we met in this really sweet way and we had this beautiful connection and i just had this deep sense of like i really I think this is my person, you know? And what was really, really difficult in that was that right from the start of our connection, something felt off for me. And I don't mean with the relationship, but like in my own body, I felt myself sexually closed down like I'd never experienced before. And I was really like, what the fuck? You know, I've been like doing all this Taoist and tantric work and, you know, studying with all these people. And it was very much a part of my identity as well. Um, and then I meet my husband and there's this like intense heart connection and kind of karmic connection. And sexually, I'm just like, pretty closed off. And like I said, this was the the first time this has really happened for me with, with a partner, especially with someone who, who I really love. And we just had a fucking go of it. <laughs> we had a go of it. Like, like, it was a really hard situation for us sexually for nearly like the entirety of our relationship up until a couple of years ago, which I'm going to talk about. So it was, um, yeah, it, it was like me feeling like what the fuck is wrong with me and my husband, like, like projecting a lot onto my husband. Oh, it must be him. It must be him because I have all this knowledge and, and awareness and he doesn't have that. (laughs) Like my husband, um, you know, I'm very much the spiritual seeker kind of, you know, I have to work to keep my feet on the ground. My husband is like salt of the earth like you want him with you in the apocalypse, like kind of man. And so it was easy to project a lot onto him and think like, Oh, well, it must be him. It must be him. It must be something with him. And he doesn't know. And he hasn't had this training and education. And it just felt like this wedge kind of grew bigger and bigger between us. until we were finally at this point where like, we had erotic connection, we had a lot of sweetness. Um, it certainly wasn't all bad. I don't want to paint it out to be that, but it's like this wellspring that I had tapped into in my younger days, I just shut off. And it was really bewildering. Like all of a sudden it went from so easy to be in my sex and in my pleasure and like erotically like holding a, an erotic charge with someone and really like uh, being in that kind of expressive state to like, Oh my God, I fucking love this person. And why is this so hard? So in that struggle, you know, and again, like I'm so grateful for each part of the path. Actually, there's such perfection. If we really look at our paths, there's such fucking perfection. So what it did is it like drove me deeper into the realms of somatic healing, trauma healing, understanding the nervous system, somatic, um, experiencing, um, particularly as it applies to sexuality. Right. Because I was always interested, like how, how does trauma impact our sex? Right. Because that's essentially what I thought was going on. Also was like, I thought it was my own trauma resurfacing. And the more that I dove into this kind of academic world, which is funny because, I mean, somatic work is necessarily body-based work, right? But what happened, and I think what happens for a lot of people is like, you can understand the nervous system, you can understand trauma, you can understand polyvagal theory, you can understand all these fucking things that are supposed to help you be more in your body. and they can actually uh, bring you deeper into the prefrontal cortex, like into that thinking, rational, logical part of your brain. If you're really not like actively working to bring these things and root these concepts and, and feel them deeply in your body, it's so easy to keep them mental and to have a kind of a static experience of all of these concepts that frankly just stay at the level of thought right i think that's that's the challenge that we have with anything somatic is like we have to move it beyond the words and the concepts and the intellectualization and we have to have the felt sense felt experience of it and that was something that for whatever reason I, and, and you know, this is also like um, somewhat in the COVID area or or in the COVID timeline. Right. So everything is like online. Um, I'm talking about my own kind of foray and journey into, into the world of somatics, but essentially Like the point that I'm trying to hit home here is that all of that work and all of that somatic work and all of this kind of understanding my nervous system and being trauma informed and yada, 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 it helped me make small shifts as I related to my own sex and as I experienced sex with my husband. So the shifts were small, I have to say and they also drove the wedge deeper between my husband and I, because all of a sudden now it was like, Oh, he also doesn't know like he doesn't know how to do it. He doesn't know the pace that I need. He doesn't know like these things and these concepts that I know. And, and, (laughs) and if you can tell, like even more of an identity kind of formed. Right? Around like the right and the wrong. The right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. And if there is a fucking (laughs) buzzkill, if there is a single buzzkill to any erotic play or erotic journey, it's this idea of right and wrong. (laughs) It's like one person... Um, it's like the superior inferior kind of like i'm up here you're down there it is such a fucking buzzkill and it's so antithetical to the felt experience of eros so it, it it drove the wedge deeper and and kind of solidified calcified this identity for me of like I, I know these things. So I just need a partner who also knows these things, right. was kind of like in the back of my mind it was like, this, this is the thing that was wrong with us. And I hope you can tell in this, that there's, um, <laughs> you know, the path is perfect and I don't have judgment actually of myself for these things because like these were the missteps that allowed me to ultimately have just like a a huge significant breakthrough around all of this. So basically it's like struggle, struggle, struggle. I'm doing more intensive study. I'm teaching about a lot of this stuff and I'm, you know, having this, these ideas of like what, um, what it should be, right? How, it, sh- how, how we activate Eros and how we do it. And it's all very logistical, rational. Okay. By the way, I'm so glad I have this information too. So I'm also not begrudging the information, but it's kind of like what I did with it, what my ego did with it. Um, just exacerbated what was going on sexually between my husband and I. So then, so then a couple of things happened. The, this whole podcast is framed around like the portal that is motherhood, because that is when I, for a lack of a better word, like I was just, blown so wide open by the whole experience of giving birth and becoming a mother. I was just blown wide open. And for a few different reasons, a few ways that I was, that motherhood allowed me to see these these. Patterns that were kind of operating in my system, I could see how these patterns energetically were actually just like bottlenecking my eros. Right. So, what happened was, you know, this portal of birth and motherhood, it just like opened up my sex in such a beautiful, beautiful way. And the sex began to change with my husband. And I like to tell this to my clients and I like to really like hit this home because I think a lot of us are always waiting for the other person to change, right? We're waiting for husband to catch up on the information, to like do the quote unquote work. And we, in the meantime, just get more and more resentful and project more and more of the blame onto our partner. And what happened was that my partner actually didn't do anything (laughs) to precipitate the change. And let me say, like, I love my husband. He's fucking amazing. Uh, we also don't have a perfect relationship. And it's interesting because post-birth has been actually the hardest time for us in our relationship. Like, it's just been a very challenging time, which I, I know I'm going to do like a whole podcast episode on. Um It's been such a challenging time for us, the hardest in our whole marriage. And yet, my sex, my ability to receive him, my ability to be really uh, nourished by our sexual connection and really feel it as, you know, as I really experienced it in my in my early twenties, like this pathway to, to God, this pathway to just like being fucked open to the universe, basically like
0: that came back.
1: And I won't say like, Oh yeah, you know, our sex is just like so amazing. Now we have no issues. Cause that's, that wouldn't be true. We we are still working stuff out. We still are on our path. And, and walking it together, but something significant changed in my body, in my energetic system that was like, holy fuck, sex is amazing. <laughs> and this connection is amazing. And this connection nourishes me and actually allows me to feel more deeply that current of life that wants to carve me, right? Because I think that that's part of sexual intelligence, actually. It's not just getting off. It's not just coming. It's not just orgasming. It's like really opening to this divine cosmic channel of inconceivable, indescribable, universal life force that just like zaps us and is like, <laughs> you know, we just like all of a sudden we get this like adjustment by the universe. And it's like, oh my God, like I'm like this and I'm free to do this. And and that's what our sexual connection does to us. It turns on this faucet to our to the deeper life force and this spring of, of life force that is always trying to pulse and move through us. But when we're sexually shut down and when we're sexually closed, it can't. And that's when life really gets like, can get really difficult and can get like very materialistic and like very just 3D. And I think this is where a lot of women are just like, You know, I know I have this power between my legs and I know that I have this potential for just like the deepest surrender. The deepest surrender to, yes, our partners, but it's even deeper than that. It's like this full letting go into the cosmic fucking void. Right? That brings us back to these these parts of ourselves that kind of go offline when we're not connecting with them on a regular basis so um i think i kind of got off track there but <laughs> <laughs> but what ended up happening was like i just felt the faucet turn back on and it was like oh my god here it is again like here is my erotic energy but also here is like my erotic identity like like feeling desire for the first time in a long time feeling my power my power to create my power to be big my power to be uh to receive my power to be nourished, right? By this like incredible, delectable energy that is sexual energy. So, again, it's like maybe you're thinking, like, okay, great. Just like give me the formula, Blair. What did you do? What happened? And I'm not going to do that because there is no formula. <laughs> There's no formula, but I'm going to break down a few of the energetic patterns that really were. Mm, how do I say like if you want to talk about like the portal or the gauntlet that was birth and motherhood it was like these were the particular gauntlets that I had to pass through for then this whole new experience of my eros and of my sex and of my pleasure so I'm going to go back a little bit to this time before I met my partner when I was living in Turkey. And, um, you know, this was really the time that things started to shut down. And, and if I really look, it even started to happen before my partner, actually before I met my husband. So the first thing that I think motherhood like really, really invited me, me into the threshold that motherhood was like, no, 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 you, you are coming this way. You are leaving that old way behind was actually around nourishment. And in the base on the most basic level, it was around food actually. So before I met my partner, I was working in this, you know, yoga studio and I had a big community around me. I had quite a public role in this community which I loved. And also in, as with, within a lot of fitness communities, yoga communities, there's this really unhealthy obsession on the body. And there's an unhealthy obsession with thinness, but it was really common in this environment to have people comment on my body and comment on my weight. And if, if, if I ever gained weight or lost weight, there would be you know, very open discussion about it. And that was a point which I think a lot of people can relate to. You know, I was struggling in my career. I was struggling to want to like be someone and make it quote unquote. And I think weight became this thing that I could control. And it became this external, uh, guidepost of my own worth. So basically, you know, the energetic being, I can't really control what's happening in my life. I can't really control the success that I'm having or not having in these studios, in this community, in the, you know, the um, larger international community that I was trying to break into, but I can control my body and I can control how it looks. And I can get a sense of worth, right? But I I use this term loosely. It's a sense of false worth. It's external worth. It's not internal, like based in like how I really perceive and experience myself. It's worth based on how I look. And during that period, um, and I'd never had a great relationship to food ever because, you know, I never really knew anyone who had a great relationship to food, to be honest, particularly a woman. But during that time, it was like, oh, I, I want to be thin. I want to be very thin. And so it started this this energetic pattern of restriction, control and starvation. And you can think, well, yeah, like it's good to be thin. You're healthy if you're thin. And and I really want to like meet this directly. Like healthy, grown wo- women, fertile, healthy grown women need a lot of provision. They need a lot of food. They need a lot of nourishment. Right? And uh, actually, if you look at like how much we like the daily caloric intake as prescribed by whatever stupid governing body, um, it's, it's not enough. Like we're constantly being told and modeled this paradigm of restriction and starvation as women and i don't think that we really understand how much this impacts our life force and our eros and and a lot of women think like oh well if i'm thin then i'm desirable right then i'm physically attractive and that's actually like that might be true on a cultural sociological level but that is not my felt Lived experience of how Eros works. Eros does not move through us because we're physically attractive. Eros doesn't move through us because we're, we have the perfect body type. And I actually have a friend who I'm going to bring on, who I'm really excited to talk about this with. Her name's Clara Weisner. But it's like Eros, that, that faucet turns on our aliveness becomes available. When we are nourished on a cellular metabolic level, meaning when we eat enough fucking food. And for all these years that I was with my husband, I was running this paradigm of restriction, starvation, control, right? To be the perfect size, to be the perfect weight, to have the perfect body, all of which is an external concept, which is completely detached from what my body actually needs to feel good and feel healthy and feel vibrant and be be fertile. Because that is actually the, the, the marker of a healthy female adult body is like, are you fertile? Whether we want to have kids or not, and so, what happened in motherhood is like all of a sudden, it started. It was really interesting. It started in pregnancy that I was having all of these cravings for things that I just fucking just was disgusted by, like on a mental level, like quarter pounders and like Subway sandwiches, these things that I haven't eaten for literally 15 years and I want them. And they're the only thing that I can eat without wanting to throw out. And it was already this, I mean, isn't pregnancy just every stage is just giving us exactly what we need for the next stage. So uh, all these ideas and judgments and opinions I had about particular food, it's like the pregnancy was like, no, you actually have to let those go. Like if you want to eat actually, you have to just let those go completely ruining this idea I had of myself of like, I'm going to drink green juice and be this super healthy pregnant mama. And then when the birth happened, you know, honestly, one of the, the first things I remember after a really long, difficult birth, it was a 24 hour birth at home, but I just remember waking up and being fucking famished, just being so, so hungry and i was hungry for months like like i couldn't get enough food and this hunger was such that i just couldn't ignore it and i also had this like you know precious baby in my arms and i'm like i need to make milk i need to feed this child all of the nourishment is is moving through my body and it was like this responsibility to nourish him helped me become responsible for my own nourishment so all of a sudden this girl who skipped breakfast constantly and fasted until 1 p.m. every day and you know would drink bulletproof coffee and like did no sugar for years it was just like the woman came in and i was like i want food and I want lots of food and I want lots of nutrient dense ancestral food. I want meat. I want carbs. I want stews. You know, my body really did want the things that um that a lot of uh, I guess is like the ancestral prescription for for postpartum. But it was like, I just started to feel what it was like to be nourished on a cellular level. And I started to have relationships with women who were also dedicated to their own nourishment. And it was like, holy shit, this is like all these years I've been trying to regulate my nervous system with somatic experiencing and thinking that I had all this like undigested trauma in my system when I just wasn't eating enough. And I really can see how like this commitment to being nourished and, and taking responsibility for my own nourishment was a huge catalyst for my sexual opening that happened postpartum because it was like, all of a sudden I had this appreciation for this gorgeous fucking body that, and I don't mean like physically, although I do love my body, but it's deeper than that. It's like this body built a human, a birthed a human, this like new respect for my physical biomechanical structure and then and then this commitment to keeping it well and keeping it nourished and it was like wow I'm a I'm a woman and a nourished woman is a turned-on woman and I I truly mean like nourished and I'm going to break down this idea of nourished in further episodes because we can have a lot of ideas around it I know that um I had a lot of resistance to like even what a female body needs because of so much programming around food and dieting and diet culture. But let me just say this, a nourished woman, a woman who prioritizes her own cellular nourishment is most likely a turned on woman because she's connected to this hunger. She's not stifling her hunger. And if you think that you can stifle your hunger for food and not have that stifle your hunger for sex or for eroticism, then I think you're wrong. I think these two are so completely related. So there was this food element and like it wasn't just, okay, now I'm eating in a different way. It was actually an energetic shift of like I am no longer willing to be externally motivated by this idea of what my body should look like I'm so dedicated to feeding and nourishing it and giving it what it needs and that being an expression of my own self-love And so it felt like this real maturation actually with my relationship with food. And I could feel how this kind of starvation energetic was absolutely keeping my body tight, right. And small, but it was also keeping my pussy tight and dry and like hormonally also, um, You know, I haven't done all of the, this isn't like medically confirmed, let's just say, but I absolutely believe today with the amount of commitment I have to eating properly and nourishing myself on a deep level, I can feel my hormones being more balanced than they were before and i can feel it in the way that my pussy feels i can feel it in the way that my energy levels are in the the way that i wake up in the morning um like i'm a breastfeeding working mom uh who does a lot every day and my energy levels are amazing and i can remember being a single woman barely eating and finding it really hard to get through the day so, you know, I say all of this too. I want to zoom out and just say about all of these energetic patterns. In no way am I like shaming my prior self either because I didn't know. We don't know what we don't know. And then there's this tendency, I think, especially with those of us who have like a really strong inner punisher, um, there's a tendency to want to like make these past versions of ourselves bad or wrong and maybe you're listening to this and maybe you can identify your own starvation energetics and your own depletion patterns and i just want to say that there's there's just no judgment there truly there's no judgment this is something that i believe is so deeply wired into the female psyche so so deeply wired to base our worth on what we look like rather than how we feel and to um, look outside of ourselves for validation rather than really taking on the role of nourishing ourselves and figuring out what that looks like so it's deep in the collective and you know, wherever you're at, as you're listening to this, just don't let that punisher come in and like make you wrong is what I'm trying to say. Now, the other the other energetic that I want to speak to is, um. so when I met my husband, and I think I'm going to, I had a whole list of things I was going to talk about, but I didn't expect to go so deep into food. So I might make this just a little um shorter. But when I met my husband, like I said I was in Turkey, you know, I was um on the outside it probably looked very much like I was this like independent single woman, right? And I was in a lot of a lot of ways but part of my own structure in terms of my survival patterns. So the way that, and we all have these, it's like the way that I have learned to create safety in my life, the way that I've learned to interact with the world so that I have a felt sense of safety. doesn't mean that it's true. It's not like my, uh, the truest expression of myself. It's a safety mechanism. It's a protection mechanism. One of these for me is what I'll call a damsel pattern. This is what I've learned to to think of it as. And this is basically just this idea of like, something is going to save me. That white knight is going to come along. It's going to save me and it's going to make everything better and there's a particular kind of like learned helplessness that the damsel has right because she has to be somewhat helpless to attract the people who are going to save her <laughs> right and it can be a person that we want to save us it can be it can be an institution it can be a government it can be right, like, like it's this kind of like daddy knows best. Like, I'm just gonna defer my authority to this other thing because, like, they know better. It can also be we can have damsel patterns with money, right? Like, oh, once I make that much money, then I will be okay, right? So, if we're putting like, uh, holding this this desire for money to take care of us and we're working towards you know a certain goal with the expectation that it's going to save us that's also a a deep damsel pattern so it's like anything that we're really looking to save us that is outside of ourselves and i had and have deep damsel infrastructure <laughs> Let's call it the part of me that um, through the, the, my dynamics with my dad and dynamics in early relationships and all throughout my life is like looking for that person who's going to make everything better. When I got pregnant I knew that I wanted a really particular, I I wanted a particular experience for my son as he entered the world. I was very committed to it. And I feel in a way that what motherhood has given me is, it's shown me exactly where my responsibility lies and it's given me this precious precious <laughs> gift uh human that is my son that is this like reason to hold whatever it is responsibly like he is my reason to to Harness this creative capacity to harness the responsibility that I truly do hold, the creative power that I truly do hold, so that I can create for him what I feel is important, right? According to my values. And in a sense, it's like he has allowed me, and this love has allowed me to do for him what I actually have struggled my whole life to do for myself. And it's like this love is so transformative. It's so, it's just so big that I'm like, yes, I cannot shirk this responsibility. It is so great a responsibility. So it really like turned on this switch inside of me. And in the birth, it was a really, really difficult birth. Um, they say that your first birth is often long. That's what every everyone told me. I'll expect a long birth, and I really didn't. I I really was unprepared, and I I had spent so much time kind of visualizing like the perfect birth, and like no, I don't want to hear about bad birthing stories. Just tell me the good ones, this kind of positive affirmation. And I actually wish that I had given myself more of an opportunity to hear about other experiences and long births and difficult births. Because what happened in the birth was I just had to fight this voice inside that kept saying something is wrong. So the birth was taking a long time. We found out later that my son was asynclitic. So his head was tilted to one side. I was pushing and pushing and pushing and he wasn't coming. And the contractions were, I mean, I was in full labor for mm, maybe 18 hours. So like early labor for about six hours and then active labor for 18 hours. (laughs) (laughs) which was just insane. And I kept having this feeling of like, I, I don't know what's happening and I'm scared and something is wrong. Right. So the pull to like, go to the hospital, to have someone to have, I had a midwife with me. I had an amazing birth team, but like the pull to kind of have this external authoritative like masculine um, institutionalized like medicalized like yes we're going to save you that pull was so tempting in the whole labor process in fact it was kind of like this felt like this devil over my shoulder actually and I know a lot of women you know this is potential ground to be really triggered. And I'm just going to say like, this is my experience and I'm just being really honest. And it has no bearing on what I think should be other people's experience. I think our births are so unique to us and actually teach us exactly what we need. So I I felt this, like you need to go to the hospital. You need to see a doctor. Something's wrong. Your midwife (laughs) doesn't know what she's talking about like it was like this pull and I just had to keep guiding myself back to the truth of like what do I want for my son what do I want for us no one is coming to fucking save me no one is coming and I really like had to come back to that again and again and again and again and And I knew that if I went that route that it would be most likely a C-section and it would be, you know, um, a hospital birth, which I didn't want. And I just remember this like, no one is coming to save you. No one. And there was something in that that fractured this damsel pattern inside of me. Not to say that this damsel pattern just completely disappeared after that, but like, it was like, I felt the depth of my own responsibility, which is also the depth of my power. And so what happened after the birth in terms of my sexual self and and how I was experiencing my erotic self is like, I just knew this is, this is me. Like, no one is coming to save me here. My hu- like my husband is not coming to save me. A teacher is not coming to save me. A um, magic pill does not exist for this. And it was this redirection to being fully sovereign and fully responsible for my sexual energy. Meaning like, my husband doesn't have to do anything, actually. And any place where I'm not opening, because I'm fucking resentful of him, or I am mad at him, or I think he's less than, or I'm like minimizing him. That is actually my responsibility to digest and work with so that I can come back and be in service to what is more true, which is the depth of the nourishment that I receive from opening sexually. And I know this is this might hit some women too, because believe you me, like, I know how hard it is and how frustrating and actually infuriating it can be to have someone be like, no, this is a hundred percent you. I know that the ego doesn't like that. I know that there's a lot of valid reasons for us to stay closed sexually. We've been hurt. We've been, we've had experiences that, have shut us down we we le- we lead these these lives with our partners where there's so many unmet needs and unmet expectations and and dreams that go by the wayside and disappointments and and that's all true but what happens is if we serve that we will stay shut down and closed if we let our power live there we will stay shut down and closed sexually when actually when we are open it is for us okay like like i came to this this complete realization like this has nothing to do with him actually this is me experiencing the the multitudes of myself and my being Touching these places of sexual aliveness inside of myself that just satiate me. And it has nothing to do with him. And that's when something really, really shifted in our sex life. Where it was like, whoa. And it wasn't just like a mental thing. It was also that I, I actually started to really cultivate a relationship with my pussy. And again, it was like, it wasn't for any external goal. It wasn't so that I could please my man. It was like, this is me taking responsibility for my own sexual opening because it feeds me. And the kind of paradox in that, let's call it selfishness, although I don't think that's the right word because it's not, I don't think it's selfish at all. But that own kind of self-driven, self-guided nourishment, the paradox is that when we are fed and nourished, everybody gets fucking fed
0: and nourished.
1: Our husbands, our kids, the people around us, our work, it all gets fed by this erotic current. So you really have to think, and I, I do think about this sometimes, like the cost of Just letting myself, women, letting ourselves be more deeply committed to the resentment and the shutdown. Just waiting for something to give us what we want to give us the magic pill, to say the right thing, to, to make the right stroke, to, you know, like sweep us off our feet in this idealized mentalized version of what we think will like turn us on and, and make us feel pleasure and excitement. The cost of that, of not taking responsibility is just that nobody gets fed by this delicious energy. And the the result, let's call it the the impact of taking responsibility for this energy is truly stunning. It's stunning to see a woman who holds her sexual opening responsibly with reverence and who is Committed and devoted to feeding that channel of erotic presence, erotic sustenance in herself, right? So, um, I only talked about two patterns here. I talked about the starvation pattern, starvation nourishment dynamic, and I talked about the damsel responsibility pattern. But both of these were... A huge gauntlets for me in terms of the faucet turning back on and like this part of myself just lighting back up that I really hadn't met despite being you know teaching and working in in the field of sexuality it was like just a whole new level of of awakening um so I think that's all that I really want to cover for today. Um, I spoke a lot here. <laughs> and if you're still here, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope that there was something here that that was sparked for you or maybe even got hit or something got activated or whatever. Um, I trust these transmissions. And I trust that you got whatever you needed here. And I'm so looking forward to to talking to you in the next episode.